Hello, everyone. My name is Josh, and I'd like to welcome you to the Walk in the Light podcast. May God bless you all. Today's topic I wanted to cover is assurance of salvation. The reason why I wanted to get into it is I feel like some Christians, and I know for me personally, I've struggled with this early on in my faith, um, and I have friends and just overall been hearing more and more about it and just kind of wanted to cover it. I think a lot of it stems from a uh, lack of identity of who we are in Christ. Uh, some of it comes from the enemy's lies that he tells us um, we're not loved, that we are not secure, uh, that we don't have Christ. And and really just spending too much time in introspection. The Bible does tell us to test ourselves, but I think we have to be careful to not remain there too long and quickly turn back to Christ and the cross um, as there's a high level of risk in over-analysis. This can wreak havoc in a Christian's walk. It can lead to stumbling, uh, stunted growth, and backsliding and more. Um, sometimes I feel like just we, we can read the Bible or we go to church and we get convicted. as uh, another part of it where we, uh, when those convictions come uh, and we already have a negative view of our identity in Christ, um, it leads us to not wanting to get into the word or, or going to church or, and it causes stumbling in, the, in our walk. And ultimately, this is going to rob us of joy. Um, it's going to blind us from seeing the tremendous love that God has for us. And so that's kind of why I wanted to get into this topic today is just kind of break our assurance, security down, and, uh, and just go into some other stuff related to that. But first, let's get into prayer using Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. God, we ask that you would grant all of us, according to the riches of your glory, that you would grant us to be strengthened with the power through the Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of, Christ, of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we think or ask according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I just kind of wanted to have a discussion on assurance of salvation and just work together. I want to look at a few different things to bring it kind of full circle. First, I want to ask, what is assurance? Well, according to Dwight M. Pratt, assurance, a term exceptionally rich in spiritual meaning, it signifies the joyous and unwavering confidence of an intelligent faith the security of fearless trust. The original words have to do with the heart of vital religion. Trust, to prop, to support, hence to confide in, to trust. Jesus repeatedly used this word, amen, to express the trustworthiness and abiding certainty of his saying, faith, Full assurance, the confidence of faith is based not on works of righteousness, which we have done, 
according to Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, but on the high priesthood and atoning sacrifice of Christ, which is evident in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, verse 19, boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus. Assurance is the soul's apprehension of its of its complete emancipation from the power of evil and from consequent judgment through the atoning grace of Christ. It is the exact opposite of self-confidence, being a joyous appropriation and experience of the fullness of Christ, a glad sense of security, freedom, and eternal life in him. This doctrine is of immeasurable importance to the life of the church and of the individual believer as a life of spiritual doubt and uncertainty contradicts the ideal of liberty in Christ Jesus, which is the natural and necessary fruitage of the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Paul unhesitatingly said, I know in Timothy chapter, Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse twelve, a word which oft repeated in First John furnishes the groundwork of glad assurance that runs through the entire epistle. For the classic passage of full assurance, see Colossians chapter two verses one through ten. In First John, we can see our confidence and that we can ask. And if we ask God, uh, we can see deeper our salvation and increase in assurance. First John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So again, very important to understand here that you may know you have eternal life. This is the security, um, a security aspect that we can know that we have eternal life. We also see here that uh, we have the confidence towards him. And if, if we trust and believe when we, like if we pray, asking for God to increase our assurance or even just, if we're looking for salvation, we can ask God and He, uh, and 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 pray that He would uh, grant us uh, assurance and um, uh, to understand the security and in salvation. The second thing I wanted to cover is more into the security aspect. <clears throat> um, here I have. Um, According to Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, which covers the security of the believer, is a teaching that God protects believers from the completion for the completion of their salvation. Contemporary Christianity needs to deal forthrightly with the universal human problem of security. This is it's just in our human nature to not feel secure, um, even outside of uh, biblical um, uh, aspects. The natural gulf between the invisible, infinite God and finite, fallible humanity makes the quest for assurance and security a very significant theological issue. Slogans such as once saved, always saved, and eternal security 
often easily gain a reverential status, normally reserved only for biblical texts, and become symbols of evangelical orthodoxy. Indeed, it comes as a shock to some when they discover that their symbols are not actually biblical terms. Continuing on, it says the Bible does teach that salvation does not depend merely on human effort. God is the author of salvation, which is evident in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, and John 3.16. God justifies or treats as acceptable sinners who have received Christ in faith. Evidence of that is Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. The great message of the Reformation says no one can earn assurance of security with God. Assurance of salvation is God's gift. Security does not come by absolutions, church attendance, good works, reciting scripture, or performance of penance. God, who has begun the work of salvation in Christians, also provides the necessary assurance to bring his work to its completion in the day of Christ. The evidence here is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. God in Christ protects and keeps Christians. That is John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. Just as Jesus took seriously the task of preserving the disciples while he was on earth, which is evidence in John chapter 17, verse 12 through 15, we do not possess the strength to secure ourselves. And I think there's more on that if you wanted to read more into it. That's just one of the, uh, part of the that definition from the from the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary that I kind of wanted to bring up. Uh, continuing on in Ephesians chapter one, verse thirteen, we see that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, a promise. Again, it says. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, here we can see uh, sealed with the Holy Spirit, a promise. Uh, if you want a, a mental illustration here, you could see, you could look back to uh, in old times uh, when, like, say, a king would write a letter, he would put a seal on it. And that seal was only to be broken when it was uh, received by uh, the one it was intended for. So we are in like, like manner um, sealed with the Holy Spirit as a promise. Um, and, and we know that God is good on his promises. Third, uh, we already talked about it a little bit, but how do we gain security? Uh, the security aspect, so again, assurance is, is, how, uh, is how we view it. Security is the reality, the, uh, the fact, the unchanging fact that we, we have uh, no control over. Uh, security in Christ is something that God does. Insurance is our ability to see it and believe it and understand that we have that security. So... Again, how do we gain security? Uh, one 
through the gospel, we gain Christ's righteousness and the promises of God. Um, in Romans 4, chapter 13 through 25, when we place our trust in Christ, we gain his righteousness. So we know we no longer need to feel like we have to earn it or make up the difference. It's not by our performance. It's not by how many good things we do or how, how we maintain uh, living, uh, not sinning, things like that. No, it's Christ's righteousness. And so we'll see that uh, here in, the, in uh, Romans chapter 4. 13 through 25. And it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir, be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For if it is the apparent of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was a good, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong. In his faith, as he gave glory to God, fully conceived that God was able to do what he had promised. Um, just a little break here. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Even though what God was asking him to do seemed to defy logic, um, he was content to just do whatever God gave him or, or commanded him uh, and asked him to do. He just did it knowing that somehow, some way, God was going to make right on it, even though he couldn't fully see how that was possible. Um, continuing on here, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the word, words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It would be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So when he believed, it was counted to him as righteousness, and uh, and it was <clears throat> delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So in like manner, we, uh, we are made righteous through the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ, and we are justified. That is our security. We we have security in that. That's an unchanging fact that if we believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave on the third day, we are justified 
and secure in Christ. So back to the assurance side of it, how do we grow in assurance? One way is knowledge. In Colossians chapter 2, verse, verses 1 through 10, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen my face, seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, See to it that no one takes you captive by, the, by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to, to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who, has, who is the head of all rule and authority. So here, knowledge, uh, the idea of knowledge leading to more assurance, uh, the more knowledge we build up uh, and, and expanding our knowledge of God, we will inevitably grow in assurance. As we get into God's word, as we attend church and hear messages, um, as we, just as we expand our knowledge of God, we will inevitably expand and grow in our assurance um, by the power of the Holy Spirit growing uh, our knowledge of who God is. So the next thing I want to look at that helps us understand how we, can how we can grow in assurance is experience. Um, the evidence for this is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. It covers how our experience of God in our life, situation, situations, and circumstances, along with seeing how he works in those situations, grows and enriches our love for him, and our, and our assurance in Christ will also grow. Uh, 2 Timothy Second Timothy chapter one verses eight through twelve says, "Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to His holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has made." has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have been, who I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. So again, we just see how experiences can shape uh, and how God interacts in those experiences. And, um, and we can see his work in them. It'll shape how we see God. And, and as a result, we will grow in assurance by seeing how God moves and loves us through our experiences and, and encounters with him in those experiences. Um, there's a quote from John Newton that I'd like to bring up, and it says, Assurance grows by repeatedly by repeated conflict, by our repeated experimental proof of the Lord's power and goodness to save when we have been brought very low and helped, sorely wounded and healed, cast down and raised again, have given up all hope and been suddenly snatched from danger and placed in safety. And when these things have been repeated to us and in us a thousand times over, we begin to learn to trust simply to the word and the power of God beyond and against appearances. And this trust, when habitual and strong, bears the name of assurance, for even assurance has degrees. And this came from Ritz Ema E. Uh, I got this from the 300 quotations for preachers in the... Bellingham, Washington, Lexham Press, just to give credit where credit's due there. Uh, the next thing I want to cover is trials, is another way we can grow in assurance. Uh, the evidence I have for that is Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 11. And it says, not only that, but re we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put, put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from, by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we, have, now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have now received reconciliation. By, I wanted to highlight verses 3 through 11. Uh, we can see how trials create hope. And in that hope, it leads to growth. And that growth will inevitably grow, uh, lead to growth in our assurance. Um, 
trials here is, has some similarities to experiences, but I still felt like it was worth pointing out that even in trial, we can see um, how we are pressed and God brings us through them. And as we're brought through them by his power, um, we will grow as Christians. And as we grow as Christians, we will also grow in assurance. The last thing I wanted to cover in this section on uh, how do we grow in assurance is uh, just by through our sanctification. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Uh, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So <clears throat> speaking about the clean, uh, being cleansed um, and part of this kind of looking at sanctification, um, first I want to kind of define sanctification. We, we have a separate podcast where we covered it, but just kind of a, a brief uh, definition uh, it has two aspects to it. One is we are set aside as holy. Um, the instruments um, used in the in the Old Testament temples and stuff like that, the instruments, the even the things like the candlesticks and the altars, all that stuff were instruments that were holy. Um, they were holy when they were being used for what they were intended to do. So one aspect of sanctification for a Christian is when we, we are set aside for holy use. And when we do those things, we are, we are holy and we are, we are sanctified. The second aspect of it is the lifelong process of the believer. Uh, and it is done by the power and work of the Holy spirit in the believer sealed in the believer. And the ultimate <clears throat> um, result will be a reduce reduction in sin uh, believers will sin less and less, and uh, it'll just uh, it'll just uh, grow um, in holiness in the in the believer's life again through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, this process of sanctification um, will grow the the believer's assurance um, just naturally um, as we as we start to become more and more. Uh, as we grow it through our sanctification and being used for God's holy purpose that he set uh, before the foundation of the world, that we should walk in them. Um, as we grow in these things in our sanctification, again, we will grow in our assurance. So how do we bring this all together and what else does the Bible have to say about assurance. I'd like to look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I'd really like to just 
uh, break this down, break this down for us. Um, this isn't typically used, uh, I don't think, uh, as a as evidence for assurance, but there's some aspects that here that I think can really help us out. And so it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because there's three huge aspects to this um, that we have to understand. So when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, we are justified. Uh, the trust in Jesus Christ and the, and the gospel, we are justified by that faith. And so through that, we have peace with God. Uh, this, is, uh, this is referred to kind of in a past tense here. We have peace with God through something that has happened to us in the past. And then the second part is through him, we have also obtained access by, uh, by faith into this grace in which we stand. Stand is present tense, uh, where we are right now. So we have, um, we have obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand. Right now we have that. And then we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope is something that we look forward to in the future. Hope isn't like, I hope this happens. Hope is something that we, we know is coming in the future, the glory of God. So we see something here. It is a past, present, and future security that we have. In the past, uh, we, our peace has been obtained. Um, in the past, uh, our faith and grace is where we stand uh, this permanent position of grace um, and security. And then it also proceeds into the future uh, with this hope of, of the glory of God. So I just really like how that kind of brings it all together for a past, present, and a future look at it. And so... All this brings us to the main passage that I wanted to use to kind of highlight our assurance and security in Christ. And it comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Um, again, just before I kind of get into it, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, this is, um, this is the reality for the believer. And so um, I just think this just really brings it together, and there's some really cool aspects to look at within this. But uh, so it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is God, it is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? Uh, Again, just this idea of it kind of has aspects of the gospel. And because we are justified, we are no longer condemned. 
who can condemn us? It was Christ that died. Um, and then he was raised. That's the, that's the gospel message there. And then we, we start to move into this idea of um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And then it kind of gets into this idea of uh, tribulation or distress. We are, we are so secure that Christ will not let us be wa- waver or broken um, in tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then it moves into the, the just the really beautiful aspect of all this that I really think brings our assurance and our security all together. Um, that we know that when we place our trust in Christ, we are, we are secure and we can have assurance in that security. And it says, continuing on here, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, Again, how is how it is not by our power we see here that we have security or assurance but it is by god's power um but the biggest thing i want to see here is is we kind of get this idea okay no outside force can impact my security but what about me can i impact my security and the answer is very clear in here that it is no nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that is evident in here, nor anything else in all creation. There is nothing in all creation, and you are a created thing. Even you cannot separate yourself from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You are in his hand, and that is where you will stay. Um, you cannot impact that security. And, and we, again, we can have insurance, assurance of this, that if we place our trust in Christ, this is us. This is where we are. Um, moving on, I wanted to bring up um, <clears throat> two verses that talk about the mustard seed and how it relates to our faith. Um, and, and this isn't uh, just talking about salvation. This is faith as, as, a, gr- as a grand whole, but Again, um, it also covers how our salvation works and how having that faith and trust in Christ works. So the first verse I wanted to look at here is Luke chapter 17, verse 6. And it says, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and plant in, planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Um, again, uh, and, and this is very, this is the same in the next verse that I have as well, that this isn't literal. We don't, (laughs) we don't need to be uprooting, uh, um, testing God by asking him to uproot things and plant them in the sea. But it's just this idea of even just a little bit of faith can, uh, prompt God to do great things, uh, in the believer. Um, the next verse is Matthew 
chapter 17, verse 20. He said to them, because of your faith, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, again, a, a grain of a mustard seed is the tiniest seed on the planet. Um, it is extremely, extremely small. So the illustration he's given us here is that even if your faith is so, so small, uh, continuing on, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And we can also kind of see, I, I can't remember where the passage is now. I wasn't intended to bring it up here, but um, it talks about uh, the rich man and how um, impossible it would be to get to heaven. And, he, and Jesus uses the uh, the image of, of a camel trying to go through the uh, the eye of a needle, I think is, is what it says. And, uh, and, and they ask him, well, if, if, you know, this idea of it's so impossible, then how will anyone go to heaven? Well, again, it's faith. Um, even the faith, the size of a grain of a mustard seed is enough faith to move a mountain. And again, we're not asking God to literally move a mountain here. It's, it's how big God can act, um, uh, how big God can move in the life of a believer who has even just the tiniest of faith. So we can simply see, again, by having the faith of a mustard seed, there's big results, and these also translate to our salvation. Again, it's not just our salvation. It's multiplicative here. But again, when we're talking about assurance, just know that even just a little bit of faith, like some people, I, I know for me personally and people I've talked to, they're like, do I believe enough? Do I have enough faith? Is my faith big enough? It doesn't need to be. Even the tiniest amount of faith will move the love of God. Um, and and it, this covers our salvation as well. Um, we must know that. Um, <clears throat> there is no supernatural expectation on the part of the believer. If you have faith and place your trust in Christ, even if it is small as a grain of mustard seed, you are in. You are in. Um, again, the evidence uh, also we see here is uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Um, again, we see how um, uh, the mustard seed is being compared to the kingdom of heaven. This is uh, the parable that we see um, uh, I'll just get into it here. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed it in his field. So again, we, we see the grain of a mustard seed. Um, the, and, and if we compare that faith and to the kingdom of heaven and how we get there, even through the grain of a mustard seed, when we plant it and it grows, um, it is the smallest of all seeds but when it gr has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The faith of a believer can start as small as a grain of a mustard seed and, and acquire the security in Christ. But when we believe and place our trust in Christ, it can grow into an incredible faith. Again, the it, it starts out as a small seed, but grows into the largest of all the other garden plants. The result uh, of 
of an incredible increase in faith is again assurance so <clears throat> let's move into summarizing all this um just bringing it all together so one if you have placed your trust in Christ in the gospel, you are saved and secure in Christ. Again, it doesn't take much. Um, you are saved and secure. Number two, believers are sealed at, at the time of their salvation. They are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a promise at the moment they place their trust in Christ. We belong to God. We are paid for with a price. And uh, we can trust that he will see us through to the completion of our salvation. The completion of our salvation, glorified bodies, being in, being in the presence of Christ forever. Number three, that we have Christ's righteousness, not our own. And God promises that we can lean on, on him to help us know we are secure in Christ. Number four, if you've... Focus on spiritual obedience, that is knowledge um, and, and experiences and trials and sanctification. You will grow in assurance. Again, not security. You already have that in Christ. It is not your doing, but you will have assurance. You will grow in assurance. That is to say, and again, we're not talking about salvation here, but... Um, for the sake of growing in assurance, the more we get into God's word and saturate ourselves in the word, the more we are around other believers, like at church, small groups, uh, any kind of gathering with other believers, and the more we focus on Christ in our trials and our situations and our circumstances, and the more we present ourselves as a vessel uh, of worship, uh, willing to be filled, uh, with the Holy Spirit again, not, not a not a quantity issue, but a quality uh, uh, statement here. Being filled with the Spirit uh, through things like our worship, uh, these will ultimately grow our assurance in salvation. Again, not security, our assurance. Security is already taken care of. We're looking to grow in assurance. Number five, Christ died for our sins and rose the third day. So we who have placed our trust in him know we are covered. Again, just like Romans chapter five, verse one and two, it covers us past, present, and future. We have a hope in the future. And then number six, we can have a faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, and it can make mountains move. Again, not literally, uh, but it can make mountains move in our life by God's power, even unto salvation, that we are in God's hand, just like in Romans chapter 8. We are in God's hand, and nothing, not even ourselves, can separate us from the fact, from that fact. Again, not even ourselves. <clears throat> so I hope this was a help and a blessing to you. Again, I know I've... I've struggled with this in my past, uh, early on in my faith. Uh, I know others that have struggled with it, friends, or just, you know, overall hearing about it in people's lives. It's a thing of concern, um, uh, especially those that struggle at times uh, with their salvations. I know many worry about 
teaching on this as it will encourage believers to live um, reckless lives. Um, this idea that if if somebody teaches people to be assured in their salvation, they'll they'll just start to live recklessly and they'll be like, oh, well, if I'm secure, I'll just live however I want, uh, knowing that they're, again, secure in Christ. But I truly believe that genuine believers will be so thankful with this information, so thankful to Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit within us that we will actually live more for Christ as a result. And this is why I believe that the Bible tells us to encourage one another in these things because when we are thankful and, and worshipful and uh, just giving praise to God, we actually will grow by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually live more Christ-like, not to live recklessly because of this. So um, I think that's important for us to know. Um, but again, that's all I have for you today. Um, if you have any prayer requests or praises, you can send them to walk in the light at walkinthelightsp.com. If you like what we're doing and you want more daily doses of hope and scripture, you can follow us at our other social media accounts. We have a Twitter at walkin underscore the light. We have a Facebook at Walk in the Light and an Instagram at Walk in the Light SP. Thank you all for li listening today and uh, may God bless you all.